Deer found her. As you know, there's no blueprint for entrepreneurship. You wear so many hats, you burn the midnight oil, you pour your heart and soul into everything that you do. But without a doubt, the journey is worth every single second that you put into it. I'm Lindsay Pinchuk, host of the Deer Found Her podcast. I say this because I've lived it for over a decade. I started my first company with $500 in my pocket and a baby in my belly. I grew it and I sold it all. This podcast is my weekly letter to you. We'll talk all things starting, growing, nurturing, and in some cases, even selling a business. Together with some of my closest contacts, I'm here to help you find your own success, whatever that means to you. The ride as a founder is the ride of your life. So come on in and join me for another episode that will get you one step closer to reaching your own founder goals. Welcome back to another episode of Dear Founder. I am so excited to be back with you for another amazing conversation with another incredible guest. I can promise you're going to be blown away by her story. I'm your host, Lindsay Pinchuk, and today's conversation was one that I am mildly obsessed with. You see, Jean Bake saw a need to bring affordable beauty to the masses, and honestly, she just did it. Just as many of you can relate, in the beginning, she did it all. But as she grew, she knew when to take a step back and to hire someone for the roles that she couldn't perform and someone else could perform better than herself. This resonated with me completely as I always admit that my business really began to grow when I finally invested in someone to help with the finances. Not my strong suit. I wish that I had recognized this earlier on and I often think that if I had, maybe I would have grown and maybe even sold my business sooner. But before I bring in Jean, I wanted to say that this community is pretty damn awesome. Your feedback, your messages, your emails, your love. I appreciate all of it. Hosting Dear Found Her twice a week has been a dream come true. And I know I've been talking a lot about this, but it's been a year almost since it's been over a year since I left Bump Club and Beyond. And it's been almost a year since I started Dear Found Her. But hopping on this mic to talk and to share some of the most powerful stories from some of the most amazing female founders and supporters thereof has truly been one of the greatest gifts I've ever been given. And helping so many of these founders and then so many of you to grow your business is really the cherry on top. So thank you for tuning in. I know you have so many choices of podcasts and so many of choices of who to listen to, but I'm so grateful that you're here and I hope that you're enjoying the conversation. If this conversation today inspires you, please share it with a friend, share it on social media, tag me. I promise I will come over and say hi, and I'll probably reshare it. Leave us a review on Apple, subscribe to the show. All of the conversations and information that we share here are so amazing and important, and it's so important that as many people as possible hear them. When you do little things like sharing the episode or tagging me or leaving a rating or review, it helps the show to get discovered and it helps to spread the knowledge and wisdom that we share here and it helps our community grow. But most important, it helps me with my mission, which is to help as many female founders and entrepreneurs as we possibly can. It's October, it's National Women's Small Business Month, and more than ever, I hope that we are supporting as many of you as possible possible. So on to today's guest. Jean Bake started Miss A with her husband. She wanted to create a beauty and lifestyle brand that was super affordable at only a dollar per product. They knew that no one else was doing this and she and her husband saw a really big opportunity. In today's conversation, you're going to hear how they grew this company from a concept to a mid eight figure brand with both sustainable e-commerce and brick and mortar locations and with more locations on the way. Additionally, their products are top of the line. They are cruelty free. They're completely approved by all of the necessary government agencies, they're safe, they're effective, and recently one of them won an Allure Beauty Award. Please come on in and meet Jean Bake so that you can hear this incredible story for yourself. Welcome back to another episode of Dear Founder. I am incredibly excited about today's episode because I don't think that we've had someone in the beauty space in a long time, and I also have never quite met anyone who has a company like the one 
that we have on today. So um, Jean Bake, who is the founder and chief merchandising officer of Miss A, is here today. And their story is quite fascinating because everything is a dollar. And her promise to consumers is really different and amazing. And I'm really excited to get into the story as to how this came to be. So Jean, welcome to Dear Founder. Thank you, Lindsay. I'm so excited to be here. I'm so excited to have you. So, <laughs> I mean, I said before we hopped on here, I, there's a lot to talk about, obviously, but tell everyone what is Miss A? How did you get started? How did you get to where you are today? Yes. So, okay. Miss A is a beauty and lifestyle brand. So that's what we call it because it's not just beauty. Um, and so we do, we sell everything from makeup, skincare, we do hair accessories, jewelry, um, you know, just kind of like home decor type of products, stationery, you name it. So we have, I think, over 10,000 SKUs at any given time. So we're really that kind of beauty and lifestyle brand. Um, I started it though as a, so my husband and I started Miss A as an e-commerce site, shopmissa.com in 2013. And how we got there was, um, I've always loved beauty and fashion growing up. I grew up watching YouTube videos because beauty influencers were so big, you know, back then the whole Michelle Fawn era and all of that. So I grew up watching YouTube. I loved beauty. I loved fashion. I actually went to Parsons to study fashion design and I thought, okay, maybe that's my, you know, passion. I studied it, worked a few years, didn't love it. didn't really love the industry. It wasn't really, you know, hundred percent what I thought it was. So I was kind of debating with my life. What am I going to do now? And at that time I was living in New York. Um, and my now husband, we met in college originally, and we had kind of done our separate paths after college and we reconnected at that time and we got back together and decided, you know, we're going to get married and let's start a business together. And so we were like, okay, what do we want to do? Um, I knew the cosmetic industry was kind of going to come to something huge at that point, because this was 2012. And so I wanted, I knew I wanted to do beauty. But then we also knew we wanted to do like accessories too, because we thought we wanted to one-stop shop where girls can come and just buy kind of everything they need to just make themselves feel good, you know, and that's kind of our concept. So we were like, okay, we're going to do that, but what's the price point? Are we going to make our own brand? What are we going to do? So there was a lot of, you know, thought going on that. And my, this was my husband's idea about the whole dollar thing. It really was. And he's like, let's do a dollar store for beauty because there's nothing like that right now. There's only a dollar tree and there's all these dollar stores, but there's no beauty dollar store. So he's, and he, his background was um, in manufacturing and kind of doing imports. And so he was familiar with, you know, working with factories overseas, how the whole manufacturing and like the cost. Like I didn't even know what wholesale was. I didn't know, you know, any of that. Right. And so that's where he was. And he was like, it's possible, it's doable. And we've seen products, you know, in local beauty supply stores or other areas where it's that dollar price point. So after doing research, we knew this was something that was doable. The margins would be okay. Like it would be a sustainable business. So then we decided to open a website and that was shopmissa.com. And we launched in May of 2013. At that time, it was like maybe 80% accessories and 20% makeup. And the makeup, we just had to literally find distributors that would sell product to us um, so that we can resell them on our website. And back then, Elf was a huge brand for us, LA Colors, because Elf had a, that huge dollar line that right. they were in Target, right? And so we started with brands like that. And then we opened the website and I was like, okay, how am I going to get people to shop here now? Okay, I have this website. Where am I going to get, you know, how am I going to market this? Back yes. then, Instagram, I think, wasn't... Um, I don't it think was just, no, it was just getting started. I actually launched my Instagram like uh -huh. in 20 for my old business in 2012, 2013, like okay. 2012, fall of 2012. Yes, yes. And I think Facebook was still kind of the main platform and then YouTube, right? So me being that being the YouTube, you know, geek for the past 10 years, I'm like, okay, you know what? I'm gonna reach out to YouTubers. I'm just gonna cold email them and see if they want to review products. Cause that's what I grew up watching, you know, them reviewing makeup products. So then I started, um, cold emailing. I didn't really email the huge, huge mega stars. I started kind of, you know, smaller, um, influencers. And after, I don't know, probably a lot of emails, I got a response back. It was this girl that she was actually from Dallas too. 
Um, her YouTube channel name is Platinum D. I will never forget her. <laughs> and I was like, do you want to review? Can you, can you just try some of these products? We're a beauty store. Everything's a dollar. She's like, sure. Sent her a package. She did a video for us. Um, I think she did it for free. She didn't even, you know, it was just for product. And it, well, her video started getting views because I think on average, maybe her YouTube videos at that time got maybe like 5,000 views or so. And so then we saw traffic coming to the website and people are shopping and it actually broke the website because we were not on Shopify then. And I had just found a developer and I was like, can you make me a website? So I think we were like on Magento or something. And, you know, it was just, he didn't build it very well because I had no, we had me and my husband do not have any background in e-commerce or anything like that. So we were just kind of winging it. So the website crashes after like the second day that her video goes up and I'm like panicking because this is like our first opportunity of having sales but um so then we get our developer we get it back up and running and like okay I knew that that was like my aha moment I was like okay it's the YouTube influencers who's going to market this for us just then I think it was like three people on our team at that time I did have a photographer because I needed someone to edit the photos you know and put them on right and then it was me and my husband and then I think maybe one person packing orders for us because you know there weren't very many orders and so from there we started I kept emailing I kept emailing I got more influencers and it the market the influencer industry was not like this and I'm sure you know too right back then it was not this crazy at all. And you could also find people to do things for product. Exactly. You could do it for that. If they were, you know, significantly larger, they would be like, oh, it's going to be $200 for a video, you know, or yeah. something like that. I don't think I probably paid more than maybe $500 during those first few years. And then, so that really got Missy on the map. That really started, you know, because then other people would see it. And then people, and then, you know, one day, People were doing reviews on their own, even though I didn't reach out to them, you know? Right. And so the word just kind of started spreading. I got a lot, a lot of questions. And the number one question when we launched was, how is it a dollar? Is it safe to put on your face? And we're going to get into that in a minute. So don't yes. touch upon that yet because we're yes. going to get into that. But, we, that and, but these videos actually helped with that part because these influencers are vouching for my product and they're actually showing, you know, swatches, they're using it on their face, showing them how it works. And so I think that started building trust for the customers. Cause like they, the influencer that they knew was talking about Miss A and their products and saying that they were great for a dollar. And then, so starting from then it just, uh, it really just took off within those first few months as you know, once I got those influencers here. And so the first three years we had over 400% growth year over year for the first three, we made it to Inc 5000s, you know, fastest growing company list. Um, and it was just, it was wild then. And this was our first time for me and my husband doing this. So we had, you know, we had to learn everything from the beginning about, everything on e-commerce, you know, from shipping orders to how the website works, you know, and things like that. So it was a really good learning experience. And after three years, we finally kind of like was able to catch our breath and, you know, we were like able to actually like think. And that's when we decided we wanted to open a brick and mortar store. And my husband's background actually is in brick and mortar. Like that's what he knows how to do. And so we decided, okay, now, now's the time to do it. So in Dallas, um, our first location was at the Grapevine Mills Mall. It's one of those mills that you see, you know, all around the yeah. country. It's a uh, very high traffic. So we got us a store there and we opened that in 2016. So that was our first store. And we did it kind of like a prototype because like we weren't really sure like, okay, Miss A is doing great online, but once it goes into the mall, how is it going to be? Um, we opened, it was great. It, the sales, uh, we were very pleased. The mall was very pleased. Like everybody was very, very pleased with how it was doing. So after about two years with that one store, making tweaks to it, um, you know, just kind of fine tuning the operations of a store. Cause you know, a brick and mortar store is just another beast compared to e-commerce. It's just, you know, so different. And so after two years, we were confident that this business model was going to work. And so then we started expanding within the DFW areas. And then now we got, we have eight stores within DFW. And that was like the first like three, four years. And then uh, we, we've expanded out to Houston, San Antonio, Austin. And then we opened our first out-of-state location at um, Coronado Center in Albuquerque. 
this year. And we're going into Oklahoma. And then we're just going to expand into, you know, other states coming. Guess what? I have a couple spots open on my coaching calendar starting November 1st. Many of you have asked how you can work with me one-to-one to build your community through sustainable social media practices, partnerships and collaborations, email marketing, and more. Earlier this summer when I announced I was taking clients, the spots filled up in less than a week. I've taken on many clients since then, and my calendar has been pretty full until now. But the good news is that my calendar is opening up a little bit, and I'll be taking on a couple of new clients later this fall, before the holidays, just in time for the new year. So if you're interested, grab 30 minutes from the link in my show notes, and let's talk about how we can work together to build your community for bottom line growth. I cannot wait to meet you. So we're going to get into the expansion in a minute, uh but tell, I would love for you to share ballpark where your revenue is today. We are um, in the eight figures. Uh So mid eight figures is where we are today. Congratulations. Thank you. I mean, that's (laughs) like, I mean, and I, and I think it's important to share that Mm -hmm. because one, you don't have this giant retail footprint, right? Mm -hmm. Like you, I mean, you're still growing, Yeah. but two, you built this from nothing. Mm -hmm. And as we're going to get into, and you sort of said already, you don't really invest in marketing and advertising and Mm -hmm. you have a product that's a dollar. So Mm -hmm. that's the first thing I want to talk about, because that's what everyone is wondering is how are your products a dollar? And how do you keep the cost down? And I want you to answer exactly what you just said. Is it like, how how is it safe? Like, what are the (laughs) ingredients? Like, and I want to just share before you get into that, that all of your products are hundred percent FDA approved. It was, it's on your website. They're certified cruelty free. So, Mm -hmm. you know, you made this comparison previously to like the dollar store, but I, I don't like that comparison to be very honest with you. Mm -hmm. And and I'm, and I'm saying that very honestly, because when you have those types of backed, you know, uh, claims, which you guys have, you have these awesome claims that are backing your product. You're not a dollar store. Mm-hmm. And it mm-hmm. just so happens that your business model is that everything is a dollar, but you're not yeah. a dollar store. Because- I guess that's, thank you so much. And that was the initial, you know, just the concept when we were, you know, thinking about yes. say is that dollar beauty store. But when we were building out our first uh, brick and mortar, my husband was so, so focused on the interior of the store, the mood of it, because, and you know, the mall, the mall said the exact same thing. It's a Simon mall. And they said the same thing. They were like a dollar makeup store. Like, uh, uh-uh, like we, we're not going to put a dollar store in the mall. That's exactly what they said. So we showed them prototypes. We showed them, you know, like we were like, you will never be able to tell that this is a dollar store unless you look at the price, because that's how much we're investing into the interior, into the concept, into the design of the store. And it turns out it's great. And I, you know, I'll show you pictures later. Well, and I say that because like, and I, and I want to share why I say that because, Mm -hmm. so we have a dollar store right in my town. It's walkable to my house and Mm -hmm. my, that's what my kids like to do. My 12 year old loves to go to the dollar store and she'll come home with product from the dollar store. First of all, she'll she'll eat candy from the dollar store. And I want to throw up because I know it's been sitting (laughs) on the shelf for probably 10 years. And that's why it's a dollar. Right. But she'll also come home with like beauty product from there. And it's like, she, like she's gotten a rash or like Uh she's had an allergic reaction or whatever. Uh And so it is so important to differentiate Mm -hmm. you from this because yours is a pricing model. Yeah. And that's exactly. really what it is. And so how does that happen in yes. the world of Miss A? <laughs> so um, like I told you when we were first um, talking about the concept with my husband and I, so we went and we started, we went to trade shows because at that time, like we're starting at zero. So I can't manufacture anything on my own because I don't have customers. I don't know where I'm going to sell this other than my website. And, you know, there's MOQs and all of that. So we went, we started going to trade shows and the jewelry and the accessories and the hair things like there's an industry for these types of products. Um, but in the market, you would see them for probably like three to $5. So it's things that you kind of see at maybe a Claire's or like, you know, the fashion section of a forever 21 or an H and M. So that's, you know, like that costume jewelry, um, type of products. We found a lot of vendors and the wholesale price for them that I would take over was okay. Like to sell at a dollar, the margins would be, you know, totally fine. So we were like, okay, the jewelry part, we're good. Now the makeup, 
that's where it was a little bit harder. But then you saw back then too, Elf, they had that whole dollar line. So they were selling it for a dollar at Target. So which means I could sell it for a dollar on Miss A if I bought it from them at the same price, at that same wholesale price. So back then in 2013, when we did our research, and at that point when we were just kind of buying stuff to resell, we found product that would you know be fine at a dollar. So that's how we kind of started. And then I realized, okay, the makeup wasn't that great that I was buying, you know, from these other brands. Like they were okay. They would get the job done, but they weren't great. And so in 2015, I think two years after we launched uh, the website, we started having, we had a lot of customer base. We had a lot of orders coming in. And I knew that the next thing that I wanted to do was make my own makeup line to sell at Miss A. I knew that was the next step. I couldn't depend on these brands anymore because one, brands like Elf, they they were just discontinuing products from their dollar line left and right. And after a while, like I think in the beginning, we had maybe over a hundred SKUs from them. And then after a while, it was like 20 things. So it's like my selection was getting tighter and tighter from all these brands that, you know, they were like, okay, I have to increase prices on this, or we're discontinuing these items because they're not making any profit on it. So then I was like, okay, this is working even though I'm buying from a distributor. So if I go directly to a manufacturer, I know I can, because I'm cutting out one middleman, right? So I know I can make a better product for the same price that I'm buying from another brand. So that was my idea. So then we went to Hong Kong and they have the big world beauty um, expo every November, Cosmoprof. And so I go there and then all these, you know, manufacturers are showing at this show. So I go, I start talking to them. And then I also realized, okay, in the manufacturing process, there's like the ingredient of a lipstick, like the actual formula of it. And then it goes into a lipstick container, the component. And then I realized that a lot of the money is in the component. So these high end, you know, the packaging, lip, I want to point that out. Because yes. like packaging is obviously so cool. And oftentimes yes. it's what gets you to pick something up. Yes. So I think packaging is so important. And I, there's so many great brands do that do really nice packaging. And I think that's great because that's your, because you're selling this brand with the packaging and, you know, kind of that's what the customer's looking for. But at the end of the day, the formula inside is Quite it's what matters. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. that's what, that's what matters. Yeah. And that's kind of our, you know, aspect is that, okay, I'm going to put a good lipstick formula into it, but I'm going to use a little bit of a more cost-effective um, packaging, like a lipstick tube. Ours will be a lighter plastic instead of, you know, metal, or, you know, if I'm doing a foundation, high-end brands will put it in a really heavy glass bottle. That is very expensive, but I'm going to put it into a smaller squeeze tube bottle so that I can get it to that dollar price point. So right. I'd had, uh, we were very, we had to be very creative on the way that we made these products, um, how we were going to, you know, put them into the proper c- component and get it to the price that we needed to be, to be at a dollar. So when I started doing that in 2016, like there was a lot of products that we could do. There was a lot of options. And so that's when we started making the brand and our brand name is AOA studio. So anything that you see on Miss A, um, that's under AOA, that's our brand. And we do a lot of beauty tools. Like, well, our uh, AOA Pawpaw makeup sponge just won the Allure Best of Beauty Award. And that's huge. That's I, and I huge. and I know this because my background is in magazine publishing. Uh-huh, uh-huh. So I want to share that. I For those who are listening who mm-hmm. don't know how huge that is, to win an Allure Beauty Award is like winning a Grammy as a musician. So congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. And so this sponge too is like that. This is it real. This really shows the brand identity of Miss A because makeup sponges, you know, the big brand that started this, right? They retail, I think at $20 for one sponge. Everybody loves it. I think it's a great sponge. Great. But then I realized, oh, I can make it for a lot less. And it's going to be a good sponge, right? And so this is one of our top selling products. And for it to win an Allure Beauty Award, it shows you that just don't even talk about the price. Like it's a good quality. It works. Yeah, it works. It's a great quality product. 
And that's why it won. And so I want to, you know, just share that that's kind of like what we're doing at Miss A is that we're not just selling cheap things for a dollar. They're really, you know, good things. And we only do direct to consumer. So we don't do any other distribution. Like we don't go into Target. We don't go into anywhere else right now. And so that's where also I can make it happen because if you go to the drugstore, there's, you know, a lipstick that's $5, but I think the cost of it is similar to probably what we make because they have to then go through their distributor. And then that distributor has to go through Target, you know, and Target has to make a markup and then it eventually goes to the end consumer and we cut all that out. So, you know, which is, which is an incredible business model. And the other thing that you cut out is you don't pay for advertising and marketing or very Mm -hmm. little. I mean, Mm -hmm. and so I'd like for you to kind of talk to us about how you find new customers, because, you know, that is when you have a product, obviously that is your number (laughs) No customers, you don't have a product because you mm-hmm. need to have people buy it. Mm-hmm. And I know you talked about the YouTube marketing, of mm-hmm. course, when we first got on this. Is that something that is still playing a role? Do you invest any money in advertising and marketing at this point? Because, mm-hmm. you know, that is something that costs a lot of money. And when you yeah. turn on the TV and you see like the PNGs and of the world, I mean, they have huge deep pockets. Those are drugstore brands. And they're mm-hmm. spending millions of dollars on average, millions, if not yes. billions of dollars yes. on advertising. Exactly. And all of that is coming from the money that they're making on, you know, the pro- cost of the product. Correct. So another, um, so I, th- I would say a, like timing and luck was on our side when we launched the business, because, um, you know, we mentioned we started on YouTube. It was very, very accessible. And I think a lot of brands that probably started around that time, you know, got a lot of help from YouTube. And then once YouTube started getting kind of oversaturated, it was getting expensive to work with influencers at that point, then Instagram popped up. And then we kind of started that whole process over now instead with Instagram influencers. So we have consistently spent um, dollars on influencers, like doing partnerships and things like that. Um, Nothing else outside of that. But, and then we kind of shifted from Instagram. And then once Instagram was starting to kind of like slow down, die down or asking, they were just asking too much money again. Then that's when TikTok happened in 2020. And TikTok, let me tell you, is that was another wild ride. So COVID hit, we were in lockdown. Um, All of our stores had shut down, you know, and so we were kind of panicking because that part of the business was completely shut down. Our e-commerce website was still up. And then we started like getting a lot of orders and I was like, oh, it's probably because everybody's home, you know, just shopping. And I think a lot of e-commerce brands saw that spike, you know, in 2020. But then we re- and at that point, I did not even have the TikTok app on my phone. I had not, I had no idea what to, well, I knew what it was, but I didn't have it. I had no interest of it. I didn't care for it. I was like, okay, it's for teens doing dances on there. But then in 2020, after COVID, during the shutdown, I, someone texted me, they're like, Jean, I saw this Miss A video on TikTok and it's getting a lot of views. So I'm like, okay, I download the app and then TikTok, TikTok is so unique because it pushes videos to go viral, even though you're not a big influencer, right? You can have a hundred followers, but your video can get a million views if TikTok's algorithm catches it, right? And I thought that was just like, it was so brilliant and it was so good for smaller businesses because it gave you that opportunity to go viral without, because like Instagram won't make your post go viral, right? Like YouTube, it will not make your video go viral, but TikTok, they did that. So I look at this video, it's a girl, she's just sharing her haul from Miss A and she's like, oh my God, you guys, like look at all this stuff that I got, it's a dollar. And that video got, I don't know, like I think a million views. Oh my God. Yeah. And it was crazy. And we, and we saw that it was converting into orders on our website and like, but TikTok doesn't have like, you know how there's no like click through link. And so it doesn't give you that direct traffic stores, but we knew it was from there. So then I'm like, okay, TikTok, it must be this next thing. So then our whole social media, we have like an in-house social media team. So I was like, okay, you guys learn about TikTok, find out what this is, is, and then, you know, let's do it. So since 2020 to now, TikTok's kind of been our main, um, like platform to work with influencers, but there has been a lot of just organic videos as well on TikTok for us. Who is your, I mean, obviously your customer could be anyone, you know, but like when you think about your core customer, Mm -hmm. who is she or he, who who are they? 
They are Gen Z millennial. So it's that core audience. I think our like specific age group for online is like 18 to 30 is just kind of where that core audience is. Um, And so that's why TikTok, I think, worked so well for us. I think the price point, the type of products we put out, it's like for those high school, college students who have a budget because they don't have all the money they can spend but love makeup, want to try things. And so when something's trending, they can find it at Miss A, try it for a dollar. If they like it, they can go buy something else too. So I think that's kind of why maybe our audience is so focused on that online, especially if you go to the store, you'll see people from five to 85 because we have a kid's section in store that we don't have online. And, you know, ladies come in and they'll get scarves, they'll get sunglasses, they'll get some makeup. So there really is something for everybody. I, I love that. And the other thing that I love about, and the reason I asked you this is because when you said where your first store was, that it was in one of the Mills malls. I mean, mm-hmm. the Mills malls tend to be like more out, like out, very outlet focused mm-hmm. and family, family and for the masses. Mm-hmm. And you have a product for the masses and you know, you do. Mm-hmm. And that is something that's very important too, because you're not trying to be something that you're not. You want a good quality product that you can stand by that really everyone can consume. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm gathering from this conversation. Yes. And so, um, for, especially for our brick and mortar, our conversion rate is very, very high because imagine you've never heard of Miss A, you walk in, okay, there's all these accessories and makeup, like, and then you realize it's a dollar, you will find something to buy. So it's um, very, very... So everybody who walks in, they come out with something from Miss A. And I think that's why whenever we're at, you know, doing malls and doing deals, we tell them, I need a spot where there's a lot of foot traffic in front because that's what's going to pull us in. You know, it's like, we're not a Nike where it's not like not, I'm going to go and find Nike at the mall. But for Miss A, it's like, if you're walking by Miss A, they'll most likely come in. And so, you know, even on the weekends, we're one of the business busiest stores in the entire mall. That's amazing. How do you continue to combat the notion of, is it safe for me to use? And how do you continue to communicate that message? Because I would venture to say, and please correct me if I'm wrong, but that's probably maybe the biggest pushback you get is like, yeah. is, is this safe and how do I use it? And is where is it made? And mm-hmm. really it's a dollar. And so uh-huh. like combating that back in the day when like YouTube was your big number one source and you were only online and it, it, there were just less platforms. That's very different than handling that now and mm-hmm. making sure the communication is proper. So how do mm-hmm. you continue to do that and continue to educate? Mm-hmm. Um, on our packaging, we do a lot of this as well. So all of our products, like like we said, it's FDA approved ingredients. It's a lot of it is vegan and we are cruelty-free certified. So I think those three things say a lot to the consumer. If they know that it's those three things, then, you know, it's like, okay, it's safe for me. So on our packaging and our products, we always try to put those icons on there. And, you know, so that when the customer is actually looking at the product, they can see, oh, look, it's non-toxic, it's vegan, it's cruelty-free, FDA approved. So on the packaging, we put that a lot. And I think now that, um, there's less of that than when we first launched, when we first launched, they had never heard of Miss A, you know, and then now, cause, and it's like friends telling friends too, like, oh, I've used this and it's amazing. So now they know that it's great. And I think before too, we're really strong in beauty tools. So like makeup brushes and sponges and eyelashes are another, you know, huge one for us, cruelty-free eyelashes. Those products, customers are more likely to try without so much hesitation because it's a, it's a tool, right. right? It's not like, you know, a foundation or a right. lipstick. So I think a lot of people kind of come into Miss A through those products first and then, you know, accessories and things like that. And then they're like, okay, let me try that lip gloss. Let me try that eyeshadow. And then they realize, oh, this is great. Like it works, you know, and they kind of take that path. Today's episode is brought to you by Hivecast, an amazing agency providing high quality podcast production made simple and affordable. I hit the jackpot when I came across Hivecast as I pieced together services from contractors all over the web initially to help me with my podcast. Hivecast was everything that I needed all in one place. For just $500 per month, they not only produce and edit four episodes, but they also create the marketing assets. Emma, my account manager, is amazing, making sure that I'm on task and that we can schedule episodes regularly and by my deadlines. 
Honestly, the time saved working with Hivecast is worth at least triple what I'm paying. Their sister company, Fireside, offers other marketing services for small businesses, including social media management, Facebook and Instagram ads, search engine marketing, and so much more. Again, all at a rate palatable by a small business owner. The best part, there's no contract. You can purchase their services as needed on a monthly basis. Use the code FOUNDHER and save 50% off your first month of services. Give them a try. The decision to outsource this part of my business has surely saved me a ton in the long run, and it was the best decision I've made for my business. Do you still sell other manufacturers' beauty products, or do you only sell your own? We still have a few brands that we do sell. They're just kind of brands that we've always been with. Our customers love it. And so, yes, we still do have a few other brands. What's your team like now? We, so in our office here, we have probably like over, I think over a hundred. And then each store has anywhere between 10 to 15, you know, employees at each store location too. So it's grown a lot. And, you know, in the beginning I did everything, customer service. I I was a social media girl. I went and packed orders. And then as I started, as we started growing and as we started, you know, delegating work to employees and things like that, I've pulled back and now um, I'm in merchandising. So I oversee all of our product development, our buyers, you know, all of that. And so that's kind of where my focus is now. I want to just point out and reiterate something you just (laughs) said, because every single founder listening to this Mm -hmm. can understand and relate to the fact that you just said in the beginning, I did it all. Who didn't? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like I did it all too in the beginning before I had a team and now I'm doing it all over again, all Uh because Uh I'm starting a new company. So, you know, it's very, it's like, I thank you for saying that because it does take time, but it doesn't need to take decades, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know, to get to a point where you are relieving yourself of some of the duties that you feel like you have to do as a found, you have to take on as a founder. And I think every founder starts where you started and look where you are. It's amazing. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You got to have that hustle, I think, as a founder in the beginning, because you have to be willing to do everything um, to grow. And I think to make it successful, like you just, I did accounting and I have like no experience in accounting, but like now I know a lot about accounting, like more than a lot of, you know, average And it's good that you know. Yeah, yeah, it is. And I think for, as a founder, you know, we always say to, okay, find someone who's better at this job than you. And, you know, so that they can take it over, which I a hundred percent agree, but I think also I need to know at least something about it to be able to make that successful and be a leader, you know, to our team members, because if I'm and like our website, like we're on Shopify now and my husband does a lot of the like, you know, techie stuff. And he has no background in it, you know, but like we built our Shopify website with our graphic designer. And even, you know, today, like if we have to do a new app or make a tweak, like me or him, yeah, we can do it, you know? So I think, yeah, just kind of having that mindset is super important. You just used a word that mm-hmm. um, I feel is, a, I feel people think is very taboo right now. Mm-hmm. I do not think it's taboo and I don't think you do either because you said it. Mm-hmm. but we have come into this place where people do not believe that you have to hustle. Oh. And, and it's yeah. talked about online. Yeah. And, is. you know, especially I'm 43, mm-hmm. especially for younger generations. And you hear people say, you don't subscribe to that hustle culture. You shouldn't be hustling. And yeah. You just said you have to have a little bit of hustle when you're getting started. I agree with you, mm-hmm. but what would you say to the naysayers? I and I'm I'm so glad you brought that up because this was actually a frustration that I've been having because especially on TikTok because I scroll through TikTok a lot these days, you know, because I got I'm hooked into it. I at first it was because of the business, but now I'm hooked, so I'm always kind of scrolling on there. And um, you know, there's all this content about you know, not founders, but just that to that young generation who's working a job, you know, don't hustle, you know, kind of do the minimum. It was a trend when everyone was working home, just move your mouse, get by the day. And I'm like, no, I'm, I don't, I don't think 
you got to work for what you want and it's not going to just come to you and it's not going to be, you know, just brought on a silver platter to you. And I do know that right now, you know, with the whole pandemic and what everybody's kind of going through, there is, you know, a lot of burnout or, you know, things like that, but like, you got to take care of yourself. Yes. So it's like, I'm not telling you to go burn out, you know, every day and do that, but I do think you got to work hard to get what you want, you know, and you have to have that hustle to be successful. And if you, you know, if, if that's your passion and if you want to do something with your life and even if you're not a founder, I always tell, you know, like if you're working in corporate, like you still got to hustle, like go after that next promotion and that next, you know, opportunity, because unless you work for it, it's not going to fall in your lap. It's not, it's not. And I do think, and I'm just like, yeah, some of these people are like that just say they don't really do anything. And they, you know, and there's a whole like quiet quitting culture where it's like, you oh, know, just that's a whole other, that's a whole podcast. <laughs> Right. It is because and I is. feel and I very feel I feel the same that you yeah. do. I yeah. mean, I and I that's why I wanted to ask you this when you said yeah. it, because I recently was talking to another founder who is someone who I paid to do some work for me mm-hmm. and she has her own agency. And she posted something about how she felt bad, like hustling because people <laughs> are telling her not to. She's in her early 30s. So she's yeah. 13 years younger than me. And I said to her, look, like you have a very successful agency. You didn't get here because you it was handed to you. You worked really fucking hard for this. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Don't be embarrassed that you worked hard. Like, you know, if and, and if you love what you do, what you do, then that's OK if you work hard. Like yeah. you, you should be proud to be in a place where you really love what you're doing that you want to work. Yeah, exactly. I think, yeah, 100 percent. Um, I think social media, it's giving the impression like, oh, don't work hard. And I think that's just so toxic right now, you know, for people to be like looking at stuff like that all day, telling you not to hustle and not work hard and not want to do these things. But no, you have to. You have I mean, to. if you had taken a back seat and not hustled, you would not have a company that was mid mm-hmm. eight figures. Sorry. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I mean, it doesn't work like that. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and you know, within my company too, and you know, we have, I think over 90% female employees. And so I also, you know, cult in within our work culture, I'm very like family oriented. I want you to be happy in your life while working here, you know? And so like our hours are like eight to four. So everybody's, you know, off by four, like you have, you know, go spend your day with your family, things like that. But even within that, like I have so many employees who work so hard and they hustle. And as a growing company, like I'm so thankful for employees like that. And I have employees who's who've been with me, you know, for several years and they started off as like a customer service agent. And now they're like operations manager, things like that, because it's like they hustled. And even though she didn't have background in doing operations, like she wanted it, she did it. And I gave it to her. But that says something about the company you're building too and the environment and culture you're creating. You want Mm -hmm. to promote from within. You want to keep good Mm -hmm. people. You're willing to invest in them and to teach them. And I think that is also a lesson for founders listening because Mm -hmm. it is hard to hire and it is hard to, you know, find the right people for the right job. And just because someone looks a certain way on paper Mm -hmm. does not mean that they're, Mm -hmm. you know, the best fit. And, Mm -hmm. And I have a, I have an example of that too. I had someone who came to me, they wanted to work for Bump Club. She said, I love what you're doing. And she wasn't a mom. She said, I want to be a part of what you're building. When someone does that, you mm-hmm. find them a spot. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I did. And it wasn't exactly what she wanted to do. But guess what? Three, two years later, not even. She mm-hmm. was doing exactly what she wants to do. And mm-hmm. she's still there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But And those kind of people are rare to come by, which makes me so sad. Because it's like, if there were more people like that, I would all take them in under my wing and make you successful. Like, help you be successful. If you just have that passion and drive, like. I will help you get to wherever you want to get to. But, but if that's I just the that, problem is that they don't But I like that you it. said that like, <laughs> you know, you you have people who started in customer service and are now managers and 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 that speaks to what you want to build, mm-hmm. you know? And, and that's that's so important to nurture and cultivate 
your employees, especially when you have a company like you do, you have over a hundred people working for you in your mm-hmm. corporate office. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. it's and, yeah. to keep, and finding good people is hard. It is. It is. You got to yeah. keep them when you find them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. No, for sure. So Jean, what's next for Miss A? We are, we, so during the pandemic, we took a, t- a slight stop in our uh, brick and mortar expansion because we didn't know what the world was going to turn into. We didn't know right. if people were going to come back to the malls, but they came right back. Um, and so our sales are, you know, do- even better than pre-COVID, which we're thankful for. And so we're really focusing on expansion um, through brick and mortar, you know, even continuing through next year. We have five more opening before the end of this year is over. So we're doing that. And then we want to, you know, just kind of take Miss A National. It's amazing. Yeah. Something else I want to ask you before I ask my last question. And this just Mm -hmm. kind of, you just said something that sparked this question. Do you feel that you have a recession proof brand because of the price point? I think we're better off than a lot of other brands. Um, Yes, I think we are. Um, I don't know. I, I don't want to say recession proof a hundred percent, but I do think a lot of people will come to Miss A um, when they don't want to spend $30 on a lipstick or $50 on a foundation. I think that's where they'll turn to Miss A. Yeah. And we've done, we've, you know, done a few campaigns kind of like that with our brand ambassadors about, you know, and we're inflation free <laughs> here at Miss A. So I really do think it could be a good opportunity for us. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, seem, I mean, it seems like foolproof to me, you know, I mean, not foolproof because nothing is, but yeah, especially with the way that the world is at the moment and Mm -hmm. everything's kind of unpredictable, you have Mm -hmm. a very predictable price point and Mm -hmm. no one Mm -hmm. can argue with any, Mm -hmm. I mean, you, you really don't have to worry about that. Yeah. And our loyal customers who've, you know, shopped with us for years, um, we kind of started, uh, we do, so there's some products, if you go on our website, especially under like the AOA brand and, you know, cosmetics, there's products that are like a dollar 33 or a dollar 55. There's nothing over a dollar 88. That's the highest it'll go. But those, um, extra cents that are over a dollar are tied to charity organizations that we give back through them. So, Paw Paw Charity, which the the blender is one fifty five under that, and that's the one we started with because we there's a local animal rescue center in Dallas, and so many of our employees have pets, and so we have like pet days and stuff where you know you can bring your dog, and then we were and you know philanthropy and all of that is just another big part of my husband and my you know kind of purpose, I guess, in life too. And so we started that where the pawpaw products, part of the proceeds would go to help animal rescue, you know, centers. And then we do another line that helps with children's education and another one that's for, you know, mental health, health awareness and things like that. So those, we do have some products that are that over dollar price point, but all of those are part of our charity lines. And when we launched it at first, I kind of was hesitant because I was like, okay, I'm going to introduce this product. That's over a dollar. It's a few cents more. How am I, how are my customers going to react to it? But the response was great. They love, they are like, I don't care if it's 50 cents more, you know, from a dollar knowing that some of it's going back to a good cause. And so we've been expanding and we've just given back so much because of our charity line products. That's awesome. That's awesome. Thank you for bringing that up. I actually meant to ask (laughs) you about the charity and I, and I'm glad that you brought it up. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to ask you the last question. It's the same last Mm -hmm. question I ask everyone and it's three actionable tips that you would give a new founder or an up and coming founder things that they can do right now as they're starting out. Um, I would say you know, have a really strong social media presence, um, just even within your own social media accounts and things like that. It's just so important these days and to organically have people do it. Like, you know, I've never spent money like doing special advertising or marketing. We did try like Google ads for a little bit just to try it because we had never done it before, but like it was very expensive and it was very, very hard, you know, but I think on, I think so one is you should really, really focus on social media, whatever platform that is right now, that's doing well. And like where your brand audience is. Um, so I think that's one. Number two is 
just really think about your product as well, whatever you're selling, whether it, it could be a, it could be a service, it could be an actual product, but really think about the product and make sure that it's something that people need. It's something that not everyone else is doing, just making sure to make it more unique. Like why are people you know, going to do that? And I think really thinking about that and branding yourself around that is really important as a new founder and a new brand. And then three, I would say, you know, just try to hiring is so important and it's so hard. So go out and make connections and find people to either hire or work with. I think that is one action that you really need to do is meet people and have people that you can build a company with because you can't do it by yourself. Jean Bake founder and chief merchandising officer of Miss A. Thank you so much for being here. You have shared so much incredible knowledge and wisdom. I'm really excited to share this conversation with our community. Thank you so much. It was so fun. I told you that you were going to walk away with a ton of info from today's conversation. I am blown away by Jean and her story, and I am so beyond grateful to have been able to share it with you. There were so many takeaways from this conversation and there were so many honest pieces of advice that every single founder and even non-founders alike could benefit from knowing the information that Jean shared today. And as always, I'm going to be sending all of the takeaways to my entire email list. So you're going to want to make sure that you subscribe because when you do, you also get a lesson every single week to help you grow your business. But for now, here are my top five takeaways from my conversation with Jean Bake. Number one, reach out to influencers, send them product. Sometimes you'll get mentions and shares without it being paid. This is a really great way to start trying to earn media and to start trying to get on the radar of people in your space and in your niche, especially if you don't have a big budget. Number two, Know your hero products and utilize them to hook buyers. Then you can share your other products with them for cross-consumption. Number three, teach yourself how to do the things that you don't know how to do. Eventually, you might hire someone else to do those things, but it's so good for you to know. Number four, you have to have a little bit of hustle when you get started. You have to work for what you want. It's not going to be handed to you on a silver platter. You have to take care of yourself. Don't burn out but you want to work hard to get what you want. You have to have that hustle to be successful. And number five, hire good people. Surround yourself with people who believe in your mission, lift up your team and try to promote them from within. Thank you again for being here today. And thank you to Jean for sharing her story. If you like what you're hearing, please take out that phone, scroll all the way down and tap that five-star rating or leave a review. You have no idea how much I would appreciate it. If you know someone who wants to start their own business, please make sure you text them this episode or share it in your Instagram stories and tag me. I will reshare some of those to say thank you. Stay tuned. We have another episode coming your way every Tuesday and Thursday. 